Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Andy Barron's coming to you from Chicago. You are stuck with my limited hosting talents today. Um, I am exceedingly happy to be joined by Michelle Majuk, who you know from the Ball Blast football. Uh, it's a it's a content empire, really. Uh, she's a podcast host. She has tons of great takes. Uh, she's a fantastic Twitter follow. You can follow her at Ball Blast M. That's E M Ball Blast E M. Michelle, hello, uh, and thank you for joining me on a random out of season Tuesday. I guess I am always ready to talk football. So I'm very excited to talk fantasy football on this random Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, ball blast. Uh, like it's a it's a, an expanding empire. Like every time I check in on the site, there's there's not only a, a ton of new content, um, there's new podcasts. Like how many podcasts are out there in the growing empire? It seems like you guys are posting stuff all the time. There's a ton of great uh, pre-draft content there right now. So just tell people what's up. Yeah, so we have a redraft podcast, which is myself and my wife, Kate. And then we have a dynasty podcast, three awesome guys, uh, just really digging into the draft and all the dynasty prospects. We definitely hit on that also on our show because we can't help it. We just love talking <laughs> about everything. Uh, but they're definitely a great go-to over at the Red Shirts. Um, and then we do have a new YouTube channel. So our our man Cole over there is creating videos and it's, it's a great place to just go get some advice and have some fun. So go find us on ball blast football over on YouTube. And you guys, you guys just brought in some new contributors right after getting rid of, um, high maintenance, prima Donna, Troy King. <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited for him that he got his opportunity. I love to see that because, you know, I yeah. started writing for sites and then, uh, received my awesome job at the NFL Network. So I'm just so excited to see people grow. And I'm so sad for Troy, but we did bring on three awesome new writers. We just have a great team over there, really hardworking people. We're very lucky uh, to have everyone so excited about our brand. Yeah, you, you guys actually, it feels like you have what we've had at Yahoo for a long time, which is just sort of a nice, easy camaraderie among the, uh, among the writers and, and all your content people. Yeah, we like to make fun of each other a lot, which helps. <laughs> That's a it's a longstanding Yahoo tradition as well. Um, so we are here actually to talk about 2021 breakout candidates. Um, before we get into it, however, uh, I want to I want to discuss. I mean, I feel like 
so much of your your Twitter feed, especially lately, has been it's a, it, perfectly clear that you, that you guys are breaking down uh, draft prospects all the time, and so it's a lot of uh, both on ball blasts. It's a lot of draft content, and in your Twitter feed, there's a lot of draft takes. Um, so I wonder if you can just give us I don't know one or one or two guys who fall outside of. You know, there's a there's a top of draft group of names that I feel like everybody knows, right? It's the top of draft quarterbacks and it's, you know, among the receivers, it's, you know, it's it's Smith, it's it's Waddle, it's Chase, uh, everybody knows Najee Harris. Um, who 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 are some names from that next group or the group beyond that that you are particularly enamored of? Yeah, I'm a really big fan of Javante Williams running back out of UNC. He kind of just like bursted out of nowhere this season. I mean, he was a linebacker <laughs> before becoming a running back. He is, he has the perfect size. And this is what what I'm really excited about. A lot of these guys in this class, whether it be wide receivers or running backs, they're just smaller or like they're skinny or they're short. There's something wrong there where you're like, okay, I'm a little, little worried about the profile. But with Javante Williams, you have the whole package. You have the size. He's 220 pounds, 500, or 5'11", I believe, maybe 5'10". Either way, perfection. And if you watched him play, <laughs> I, am, I get a little hyped up about him. Uh, he doesn't get taken down by one player. It's I think it's impossible. I really do. He's a tackle-breaking machine, uh, one of the best in uh, college football this year. Uh, he's... You know, he can be used as a receiver. He's good around the goal line. He's very effective pretty much wherever you use him. And he's two full years younger than Najee Harris. And I think he can do everything that Najee Harris can do from Alabama. Massive Najee Harris fan. This is not putting him down at all. It's just saying how good I think Javante Williams can be. And I do think he ends up being a high second-round draft pick uh, in the NFL draft once it's all said and done. So if I'm in dynasty leagues, I'm thinking about taking the guy who's two years younger that can do everything Harris can do, especially if he lands in a nice situation. Yeah, Javante is definitely one of those guys where like you you watch you watch like a minute of tape and you're you're probably going to see like three highlight missed tackles. Um, most of the runs are really. I mean, he has some he has some runs that don't really go very far where he dodges a couple of tackles too. He's just a really really fun watch. So it's a. It's a good name. A um, little bit smaller than Harris and, and obviously not the high exposure player that Harris was. Um, maybe not all the receiving history, but he he basically uh, single-handedly defeated uh, Miami uh, late in the year. An incredible game. Um, so re- really fun player, really fun name. I feel like he's in that conversation to land with like Pittsburgh and which assuming a running back goes to the Steelers, um, we're, we're going to be talking about that guy as like a second or third round fantasy pick next year. Don't get my hopes up. If he goes to Pittsburgh, I am going oh, to shoot. be I blanked him. on the fact that that's like your team too. Like that's oh. your real life team. And uh, oh yeah. And a, and a serious fantasy possibility. Yeah, I would sh- shed tears. I really think I would. <laughs> on draft night. I would be so excited. I would order that jersey that night. Um, wow, to go with the Zach Moss jersey. Would, would, yeah, he, would, would he actually replace Zach Moss? In your, I don't feel like anybody can actually replace Zach. Like you're Nobody, one of the few yeah. people in the industry that that was more into, like I couldn't match your energy on Zach Moss and I <laughs> loved Zach Moss. I know, and it didn't work out his rookie year. He didn't really get the opportunity, but I saw talent this year, so I'm still holding out hope. Hopefully, now the thing is we have to hope one of these great guys don't, you know, the Bills don't draft. If they draft Najee Harris, I think I'm going to have to just pour one out 
<laughs> to Zach Moss on draft night. The the thing that I was clinging to with uh, with Moss all year, and again, we'll get to breakouts in a sec. Hey, maybe Zach Moss is one of your breakouts. Um, the the thing that I was just clinging to all year is the fact that he was always on the field at the right time. Yep. Like at the, in the moments when you would definitely want your running back on the field, he was on the field, and then Josh Allen would run uh, for a touchdown. <laughs> the amount of times where Josh Allen would fake hand it off to Zach Moss and then take it himself. <laughs> It hurts me because I love I Josh Allen. He's my favorite quarterback in the league. But I would get so mad at him because it's like, can you share ever share the, the worst? Ball? The worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was for for me. It's the reason why he's not an MVP. He was. Uh, he was. He was too. He was far too selfish with the with the too goal selfish, line touch, yeah. touches. Yeah. Absolutely. All those rush attempts. Um, so as I said, we're here to talk about breakout candidates, and I want to. I want to use the loosest possible definition for this because um, I, I would just like you to be able to talk about almost anybody that you want to here. So I'm, I'm not even excluding uh, incoming rookies. I am not exclu- like hell. If you if you think that Aaron Rodgers can level up and be like a 70 touchdown pass quarterback, fine. Talk about Aaron Rodgers as a breakout candidate. I, I don't care. I don't want to I don't want to limit this in any way. These are just sort of players that we think can reach a new level um, that we are kind of planning our flag with. And I, and I, I asked you before we hopped on not to share your list with me. And then I just realized that, um, if we have perfect overlap as we did on Zach Moss and, and other players that we, uh, similarly like this could, this could end up being a really short podcast. So I hope that's not the case. (laughs) I hope we don't have the same list of guys. Let's, let's try to go through these lists. Like, um, we'll, you know, you, you say a guy, I'll say a guy, and and we'll we'll start with our we'll we'll try to end with the player that we're most enthusiastic about, and and I feel okay. like we're gonna have a little bit of overlap, but not total overlap. Michelle, go start us off. All right, my first guy is a second year running back, but it's not Zach Moss. It is Antonio Gibson from the Washington Football Team. You know, I was a little hesitant about liking him coming in to the NFL. He had such a limited profile. We didn't really know what he was going to be. Killed it in college in the few carries he had. But who would have thought that he would just be ready to handle the load year one? Well, he did. And I was super wrong. He had the third most fantasy points per touch for running backs over the last five seasons. If you're looking at guys that had 200-plus touches, and if the, the top two guys are Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley. So Antonio Gibson is only behind those two. Uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, he had 11 rushing touchdowns this season. And what makes that so impressive is that Washington only scored 20.9 points per game <laughs> uh, because they didn't have a quarterback that can move the ball. So he basically just scored in any opportunity he actually had. He scored 32% of Washington's offensive touchdowns and Peyton Barber still four of those touchdowns. So I feel like there's even space to grow with if, you know, they get a better quarterback and they can actually move the ball. And if they just if teams stop loving Peyton Barber, what's what's that about? We'll see if he's still Ugh. on the team next year and stealing carries. But hopefully, you know, all of those snaps go to Gibson. And he was used as a receiver, even though J.D. McKissick did steal far too many targets at 110 and too many snaps. You would think Gibson would start to eat into that as he was a wide receiver in college. And if you're looking at like the prime of his year or yeah, the prime of his rookie year, weeks four through 12 before he got injured, he did have 217 receiving yards throughout that time, which was the seventh most among running backs in that time span. I actually think he has potential to be a top five running back this year. 
he is um, okay. So I'm I'm glad that we brought his name up. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure there's a player that I got wrong more than in, in in a more catastrophic way than getting Antonio Gibson wrong. I only had him in one league. Um, I won that like I won that league because he was he was that sort of he was that sort of fantasy edge. Um, I I just. Man, it is so rare that we see somebody who who is learning the position on the fly who is that obviously born to it, right? Like he was yeah. <laughs> he was so great so quickly. I had I had blanked on um, the Peyton Barber experience. Like I had, had sort of banished that from my thoughts. I had I had forgotten it entirely. Um, so uh, no <laughs> thanks at all to you for reminding me that Peyton Barber actually poached a couple of those touchdowns. That was that was absolutely brutal. So I. Um, maybe a month ago wrote a sort of one man, you know, here's the first, I don't know, five rounds of a, of a hypothetical draft. And I put Gibson like at the back end of the first round, start of the second round. And, um, not, not everybody was with me on that, but I mean, I I feel like there's, there's no way he slips outside the top, I don't know, 15, 16 picks in drafts next year. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I would be fine taking him even earlier than that. I, you know, we get excited about these new shiny toys, and maybe that's one of the issues because there's so many vets that are probably safer. Uh, it's just so fun to go for that potential. Oh, no, he's like he was the new shiny toy that I should have been on last year and, yeah. and <laughs> didn't have uh, nearly enough shares because I was taking Zach Moss where I should have yeah, been taking same. Antonio Gibson. Um, uh, OK, I'm, I'm going to start right with you there. I'm going to, I'm going to start with a far less interesting player. Um, <laughs> but, but somebody that I think, uh, things, things are setting up for him to take a, a huge step. And if you just watched the, the film of him last year and didn't care at all about the results, like if you were just watching him roast people throughout the season, uh, you, you probably feel a lot better about him than, than you would, uh, if you were, if you were purely accepting the stats that Darnell Mooney produced. I loved Darnell Mooney's first season. Um, He finishes with 61 catches, over 600 yards, despite absolutely atrocious quarterback play start to finish. Um, He's one of these guys that has tremendous, just like straight line speed, and you can see it. Like he plays to it. Had a bunch of games where you you look at the box score at, at the end and it's nothing special. It's like two catches, three catches, 40 yards. Um, but he was cooking people all season. He absolutely roasted Jalen Ramsey a couple of times um, in the Rams game. Had nothing to show for it, really, but um, uh, burned him on a couple of stop and goes. Love Mooney. Um, he might be that team's number one receiver next year. He might have to be the Bears' number one next Oof. year, depending on the A-Rob situation. Uh, he's only he's only number five on my list of breakouts because I have no idea what the Bears are going to do at quarterback, and I have no idea what the Bears are going to do on the offensive line, and there's a lot of variables that need to get a whole lot better for Chicago, but I was a big fan of Mooney in his first season. I know he reminded a lot of people of Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh. Did he give you those vibes? Well, they didn't really they didn't really use him that way. But yes, in terms of like just the the immediacy, uh, the the how how quickly he came open, the separation that he got off the snap of the football, um, how effortless he made a lot of that look. Yes, unfortunately, the Bears would use him in a lot of situations where it was just a the the play took so long to develop. You know, it would be a route that would take you know three seconds, four seconds to come open, yeah. and Nick Foles was on the ground after a second and a half. Right, like they just did not. 
they did not have the protection to run what would have really led to a huge first season for Mooney. But man, I loved him. And uh, he's he's one of those few picks that uh, the the Bears brain trust has has obviously nailed um, that they, they don't get a lot of them right. They don't get the big ones right, but they get a handful of them right. And uh, he's he's at least someone to be he's like a piece to be excited about. I have no idea what they're going to bring in at quarterback. Um, I'm, I'm at, I'm at the stage now where I'm just hoping it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick and not Sam Darnold, <laughs> but, um, but we'll see, we'll see who's at quarterback. We'll see what the line looks like, but absolutely loved Mooney's, uh, first season. Okay. Give me your second player. My next guy is Austin Eckler. And yes, he probably would have broke out last year, but he got injured and it just felt like he was injured all year long. He kept getting me excited. Like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. It's not his fault. I'm not blaming him for being injured. But when he was on the field, he was fantastic. And yes, I know what you're thinking. I do think the Chargers will bring in another running back to take the, you know, the heavy workload of the rushing attempts because Eckler is a smaller dude and we've never really seen him have more than, what, 130 carries in a season. But guess what? For fantasy, that doesn't matter, especially if you play in PPR leagues. It's all about the targets. And dude is a target monster. And if you really want to get into the details, like the Chargers' new OC, Joe Lombardi, he likes throwing to running backs. He was the OC of the Lions uh, in 2014 and 2015. Reggie Bush and Bell and Theo Riddick each had 50 targets each. And then Riddick had 99 targets in 2015. And guess where he spent his last four, actually five seasons, with the Saints, with Elvin Kamara, our boy. And no, that doesn't just mean Austin Eckler is going to, you know, be that same type of player. But when he gets five targets a game in his career, in any game in his career, he's averaging 20.6 PPR fantasy points per game. We have a pretty long sample size of that. You know, you know, the one thing that I do blame him for last year is um, teasing us with all those videos like he was he was posting to social platforms all the time videos of himself doing like heroic things in workouts. And then and then he just wouldn't come back for two weeks. (laughs) I know. I know it was very disappointing, but I did like so I think a lot of us were nervous about how he would be with Justin Herbert instead of Philip Rivers. So I ha- I'm happy that we got to see at least a small sample size of that. And he did come back for a little bit. And then last year in five games that he had with Herbert, he did have over five targets yeah. like he was being targeted a lot by Justin Herbert. Even when Eckler wasn't on the field, it felt like Herbert was targeting his running backs. He averaged 21.3 points per game in those five games that he saw those five targets with Herbert. He doesn't score touchdowns (laughs) and he doesn't get a lot of carries. And so he was really good last year in fantasy, even though he only scored three total touchdowns. So I just don't think that's what's great about Austin Eckler is that you don't have to depend on him getting into the end zone to be a consistent fantasy player. You just have to count on those targets and they often. Yeah. I feel like he's a player who should probably go exactly where he was going in drafts last year. And um, the, the fact that he spent so much of last season injured means that he's just going to get nudged down everybody's board, right? Like all the, all the guys who were really popping at the end of the year, whether it's Gibson, Akers, Swift, all those guys, they're, they're all going to go ahead of him. And you're, you're going to be able to get yeah. Eckler at like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't right. Maybe maybe we'll all come around again to Eckler uh, next season. But I feel like he's going to fall to like the end of round two, start of round three, because um, he's like he's like last year's semi-bust. Um, but the, the same situation is present. Like the setup for him is terrific. 
if you get CMC and then Eckler, I would oh. like I would bet ninety nine percent your chance you're going to win that league. If you're in a PPR league, I, I just think that would be unfair. I do think Eckler will get easily a hundred targets next year if he stays healthy. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I would sign off on that, and that is totally in play actually to start a draft that way. Um, yeah. Okay, my next guy, again, not nearly as good as Austin Eckler. Um, not, not, <laughs> not somebody that is in any way is, as, uh, as compelling as Austin Eckler. Uh, a little bit further down draft boards. In fact, maybe at the, maybe at the tail end of draft boards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out, and this is another one, like Mooney, where I need a lot of things to change. I need, I need team context to, to go along <laughs> with this. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit of hype to Denzel Mims, uh, wide receiver Ooh, for the Jets. Him. Yeah. Um, and Love he it. is also like like uh, like Mooney, like another guy that I'm going to talk about. This is a this is a name from like the air, the air yards leaderboard. Um, he was he was eighth in the league in targeted air yards last year, over 15. Uh, he arrived on the scene a little bit late, um, missed about a month of the season, uh, still gave us over 350 receiving yards in an absolutely terrible offense in a totally forgettable, abysmal offense. Um, he, he showed up. Um, <laughs> that was good to see the jets get an upgrade to the coaching staff. They may yet get an upgrade or at least a reboot, um, at quarterback guys are going to get dealt. Things are, things are wide open there. Um, but Mims was somebody who last year coming into the league four, three, eight speed, um, a mm-hmm. 38 and a half inch vertical, right? He just absolutely crushed the combine. All the combine stats are like superhero level stuff. Um, so he's a, he's a monster athlete, gave us a rookie season that he can build on. I don't know that he's in a situation like Mooney where he can actually elevate to being the team's sort of default number one receiver. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, there's an outside shot here at a, at a thousand yard season, I think. I am shocked that you think Mooney has a better chance to be a wide receiver one on his team than Denzel Mims, who was taken much earlier. Drafted I mean, I to know be a wide draft- receiver one. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was a massive Denzel Mims fan. I'm scared to say how high I ranked him after we just talked about how high I ranked Zach Moss. Maybe I need to relax on some of these rookies. I am a really, really big Denzel Mims fan. I think he has all of the talent, unfortunately injuries and the Jets and Sam Darnold kind of brought that all down. We saw a little bit of hope when Joe Flacco came in with just all of those wide receivers on that team, especially Perriman. So hopefully if they can just get any upgrade to Sam Darnold, I really hope they take a quarterback there at number two. Justin Fields would be my pick, but I... I'm fine going Zach Wilson if they want to. Just anyone but Sam Darnold. Now all of the Jets uh, fans are going to come at you and this podcast i'm sorry man i'm i'm with you on fields that is the exact scenario that i am that i am hoping for for mims um i it's funny like i took him one of one of my uh most long-standing uh dynasty leagues i took him in our rookie draft last year and i basically i basically did, i just took him in the second round of the rookie draft and i i took a victory lap like i i talked that whole league for like 20 minutes after drafting <laughs> Denzel Mims and then he, then he didn't play for weeks right like <laughs> I, I heard about it later from everybody but I absolutely love the player randomly he's getting a lot of value this offseason in Dynasty like people are really excited about him I'm surprised by that like I'm excited about him too but I just figured with his down year people would be off of him but no they, yeah, I'm clearly you, excited. If if like three different things fall into place, things can go really well for him. <laughs> but he still needs all of those things to happen. So we'll yeah, see. For sure. 
Who's your Who's your third guy? So mine's also a wide receiver going into his second year, and it's someone that. You know, I also have the same narrative. It's like Jerry Judy had a bad rookie season. But did he? Because we think Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, CeeDee Lamb, all good, which Justin Jefferson was fantastic. I will give him that. And then we think Jerry Judy bad. But really, I think it's just Denver Broncos offense bad. Like, it's not Jerry Judy bad. Uh, Judy accounted for 23.3% of the Broncos receiving yards this season. If you're comparing that to T. Higgins, who I love, I'm not talking down on, and CeeDee Lamb, it's exactly the same. So Judy, 23.3. Higgins accounted for 23.9 of the Bengals receiving yards. Lamb was down at 20.7. Yes, Lamb had more competition. That's fine. Justin Jefferson was all the way up at 32.8. He's just a maniac. Uh, We won't discuss him. He already broke out. (laughs) But I I just think if we're going to look at, we, we do this with college players, right? We look at the percentage of what they did for their offensive team because every college team is different. I do think maybe we need to look that way in the NFL as well. Like the Broncos offense isn't the same as the Cowboys offense or the Vikings offense. And it's not fair to think so. If you're looking at wide receivers that accounted for 22% or more of their team's receiving yards in their rookie season since 2015, the list is Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Stephon Diggs, and D.K. Metcalf. That's the entire list. That's a nice list to be a part of. The biggest issue was that he only scored three touchdowns last year, and that has to increase. Uh, that's not good, but Drew Locke threw 16 passing touchdowns this season. <laughs> and all of this discussion is pointless if they're going to go into the season next year with Drew Locke because I don't think it's going to get any better for him. So, again, just a lot like your Mims take. They have to have an upgrade at quarterback. We'll see what that is. Uh, also, a big thing to point out is he had a 46% catch rate this season. Yes, he had some bad drops. But out of his 110 targets, only 64 were catchable. 46 targets were uncatchable for Jerry Judy. Third most uh, uncatchable targets in the league. Get Drew Locke out of there. Bring in a better quarterback. And I think Jerry Judy is that wide receiver we were hoping for out of Alabama. Yeah, Drew Locke, obviously a train wreck. As soon as you as, as soon as you mention the drops, um, I get just sort of out of habit. I have Matt Harmon in my head telling me that drops don't matter and we should ignore them, and they're not a thing that is in all likelihood going to repeat from season to season. And I mm-hmm. like I I go back to the fact that we we all had jokes about like Devonte Adams his rookie year. He couldn't stop dropping the football, right? Like it it happens. Players recover from it. It's not. There's no reason to think that it predicts future drops or future, you know, uh, problems with his hands. I I thought Judy was as advertised as a route runner. Like everything that you liked about him in college, that was there. Like his release off the line of scrimmage was great. Um, His, uh, his route running was just spectacular. Um, Drew, Drew Locke was, was just an absolute, like maybe outside of like, uh, I forget the opponent when he had his one big game. He He had like a one, solid game all season long and every other game was full of the same garbage that we've we've grown accustomed to with with Locke over a period of time right like the the just you know off the wrong foot heaving it up into into traffic just to see what's going to happen and maybe (laughs) maybe some of that stuff can play uh in college and it absolutely never plays in the NFL so Locke was a problem um but I I like this call a lot what is your what is your degree of concern? Um, I, I don't know that we can exclude the quarterback from this, but like obviously one of the things that the Broncos receiving core faces, and I thought about putting Noah Fant on my breakout list. 
Um, one, one of the one of the big issues here is that Cortland Sutton eventually comes back and mm-hmm. he's probably getting triple digit targets. Well, we saw when Cortland Sutton and Sanders played. Sutton was actually better with Sanders there. I think these two wide receivers can help each other out. I'm excited for Cortland Sutton to come back as well, but he is coming back from a very serious injury. It might take some time to get back into the rhythm of things. And like, like hopefully it's a new quarterback. So this quarterback's not going to have any connection with Sutton that he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't have a Judy. It's going to be the exact same playing field there. If anything, Sutton will just be able to get Judy more opened. Uh, And, Tim Patrick stole a lot of his uh, right. targets and a lot of his touchdowns. So I just think this hurts Tim Patrick more than it hurts Judy for Sutton uh, returning next season. Yeah, I think I actually, I think I agree with that. I think Judy and Sutton are, are going to be wonderfully complimentary players. And it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing that, uh, that a receiver who demands a lot of attention comes back. That can certainly be beneficial to Judy. So the next name on my list, it's another receiver. But finally, I'm going to talk about a receiver who doesn't have just sort of a trash bag at, uh, at quarterback. <laughs> like there's no need for a quarterback change here with Gabe Davis, um, Ooh, nice. obviously a really good rookie season. So it's you could you could argue that he's already broken out, but this is the perfect example of a player who can definitely reach another level. Um, again, brutally obvious name, almost 600 yards on the season, seven touchdowns, highlight catches throughout the season. Um, his mm-hmm. his first touchdown of the year, I want to say, was that like fingertip stretched out grab in the end zone. Just a, a phenomenal quality catches all year. Um, He saw 60 plus deep targets. I think it was 61 deep targets. Didn't have a drop all year. Um, Very strong candidate, in my opinion, for a thousand yards next season. Uh, He was he was fourth in the league in targeted air yards, almost 16 air yards per target for him. So he's seeing high yield opportunities and and he's tied to an almost MVP caliber quarterback is the good thing here. So good size, great hands. Phenomenal environment uh, in Buffalo, obviously. Uh, Josh Allen is a perfect example of a player who leveled up last year. Um, great uh, compliments in the receiving core, obviously. Like, he's so perfectly matched with Beasley, with Diggs. I just think that trio. And then you think about the number of times that they went, like, four wide last year. Um, it's, a, it's a ripe offensive system. I think he takes another huge step. He's he's another guy who, to me, could, could easily be 900, 1,000 yards next year, 8 to 10 touchdowns. Yeah, and I think he can go probably undrafted in most redraft leagues. If you're just in a home redraft league, a lot of, yes, Gabriel had a nice rookie season, but a lot of people still haven't heard of him. I mean, he didn't, like, blow up. I love this pick. I mean, you saw him on the field and the catches he made on the sideline. Just, like, Josh Allen would put it perfectly, but then he would also just come up with this clutch catch. It's like, I cannot believe this is a rookie making those catches. I hope they give him the opportunity next year. Like, I hope they don't draft a wide receiver early. That would just kind of ruin things. But hopefully they see what they have in him and just allow him to go do his thing out there because they had the connection immediately. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of John Brown. And now I'm kind of like, oh, we need to we need to get John Brown out of the way so that uh, yeah. all of all of these uh Gabe Davis dreams I have can can happen. <laughs> I don't think he re-signs with them. He's yeah. I think he's gone in free agency and that should open up a lot of snaps and targets. It just all comes down to, you know, if the Bills could figure out figure out a way to trade up for Kyle Pitts, uh tight end out of Florida. For those of you who don't know him, he's amazing. Uh he's the love of my life besides Monty <laughs> Williams and Zach Moss. I have a lot of love of my life. Uh but if they could figure out a way to trade up for him 
That would be amazing, but very bad for Gabe Davis. Oh, man. Draft Twitter loves Kyle Pitts. You hear about Kyle Pitts going like top five um, and maybe it happens. He's going to go. He's going to go well before the Bills. I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, Okay, we're coming down to our final players. Who is your second to last player? All right, I'm going to go with a little homer pick here. I am a Steelers fan. I'm going with Deontay Johnson. So he was the wide receiver 21 this season, 14.8 points per game in PPR. Not bad. But these numbers look worse than they actually are, even though they're good. But he missed or got hurt in five games this yeah. season. So he he got hurt. It was kind of irritating because I'd keep starting him and he'd get hurt early in the game. That happened four times this year. That has to stop. But, you know, injuries can be fluke. And then he didn't miss one game. So these numbers include those four games that he started and then was out. So in the 11 games that he played fully this season, he averaged 12 targets per game and 19 fantasy points per game. That's more than Hopkins, and that's more than Calvin Ridley, who were in the top five this season. Uh, You know, the biggest knock on him is that he only averaged 10.5 yards per reception. That's Super, super low. And for a wide receiver to be consistent in fantasy with that low of yards per reception, you need to have a ton of targets. Well, the the thing is, I think he will have a ton of targets next year. He led the Steelers with 144 targets in 2022 with the missing time that I mentioned. Juju Smith-Schuster, I do not expect to be back. You know, I'm rooting for him. He wants to be back with the Steelers. I just don't know how it's going to work with their limited cap space. That's leaving behind 128 targets. Yes, those will go to other guys, but I do think he'll get a chunk of those. And then the Steelers finally moved on from their OC that had zero imagination, (laughs) hoping the new OC opens things up, actually lets a wide receiver run a route. You mentioned Matt Harmon. He loves some Deontay Johnson, at least he used to. Uh, He is a great route runner if they would let him actually move farther than five feet. He did have the dropsies, but I do think he has good hands. I'm all in on that third-year breakout for Deontay Johnson. Yeah, you are a fully accredited Steelers expert. So are we just are we just fully past the period in Ben's career where he's going to he's going to go deep like seven, eight times a game like Ben Roethlisberger used to be among the league leaders in deep attempts. Yeah. And it just I mean, it just never happened last year. So I I felt like it was happening more early on in the season, but every time he would throw, it did look a little bit weaker, and then he would grab his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is not good for the season, and I had a feeling as He, a he has always been a player on. who shows you what's hurt, right? Like, yes, wh- whatever's he uncomfortable, he will, he will let you know on the field in real time. He 100% will. Uh, <laughs> he definitely will. I'm not even going to try to back that up and protect him. Uh, But I I saw that early on. I was like, oh, this is not good as the season goes on. And it wasn't. But I do think we're ignoring the knee injuries far too much. I mean, he hurt both knees. I think it was in that Dallas game. And when you look at his yards per attempt before that game and after that game, it went down a whole entire yard per attempt. I, you know, he never got sacked after those knees. He only got sacked three times the whole season after those knee injuries. The offense completely changed so that he wasn't touched. And it was terrible. I mean, (laughs) they would throw it within one second of snapping the ball and allow wide receivers to do absolutely nothing. And people want to make fun of Deontay Johnson for dropping balls. It was like he was getting demolished the second he touched the ball. So you would drop a ball too if you knew you were going to get (laughs) smashed the second you caught it. I I think the offense should be better next year. I'm hoping. We, we shall see. 
Yeah. Well, obviously the, the, you know, the, the fact that he was throwing short almost all the time, uh, played well for Deontay Johnson. Like if it looks just like that mm-hmm. next year, but Deontay's out there for the full season, um, that's, I don't know, 160, 180 targets. It's a lot of work. Um, and, and that's going to lead to a great season. My next name, uh, and, and th- this is, this is another one that requires a few other things to happen before he can actually break out, but I'm going to go with AJ Dillon. Um, obviously Ooh, Green it. Bay running back. We got, we got a glimpse, a little glimpse, a little taste of his upside in December in that snow game against Tennessee when it was A.J. Dillon who, who looked more like Derrick Henry than, than Henry himself, right? Had the 124-yard mm-hmm. performance, couple of touchdowns, was unable to successfully uh, perform a Lambo leap. But other than that, it was a, it was a great night for mm-hmm. him. Um, so absolutely spectacular. So he's, he's six foot even, I want to say, 245, 250 pounds. So obviously powerful um, and built too. Uh, little, little dash of elusiveness, more elusiveness than you would perhaps guess for a player his size. This all comes down, obviously, to Aaron Jones relocating. We need that to happen. Well, I'm, maybe you don't feel that way if you're a Packers fan. Um, if you're somebody who's got Dylan on a dynasty <laughs> roster, you definitely need that to happen. Um, Aaron Jones, obviously, b- b- probably the, the top name among running backs in, in free agency right now. A lot of buzz about him perhaps going to the Dolphins. A um, little bit of buzz more recently about the possibility of him being franchised. Um, I'd I'd be a little bit surprised by that because it's a you know you you just spent a, what a second round pick on AJ Dillon. The whole yeah. reason for that is so you didn't have to throw money at uh, at Aaron Jones. Um, so Dylan's got an opportunity here. I don't think he's going to be a volume receiver, right? Like that's the one thing that we didn't see a lot from him in college. We didn't see a lot from him last year as a receiver, but he can still be a guy who finishes his year with, uh, a thousand, 1100 yards and perhaps 10 touchdowns. And he's, he's tied to the right offense is the thing, right? Like if you're, if you're going to have a guy mm-hmm. who's not a, 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 an enormously active receiver, you probably want him tied to an offense that can score 28 or 30 points a game. Yeah, and I really like that pick. I think AJ Br- or AJ Dillon can be really good next year. And I really wanted JJ Watt to go to the Packers or to the <laughs> Bills just so that those teams had less money to spend on Aaron yes. Jones or oh, for the Bills to bring, bring in a running back. But then he ended up going to Arizona, which is like, okay, I didn't have a strong feeling about any of the running backs there. So. Yeah, I feel like all the brand name players are just relocating to that division, right? Like they're, just, they're just all going there. I know. Uh, we'll see if the Cardinals can take that step forward. I really thought that J.J. Watt was going to join either the Packers or the Bills, and one of my guys would be safe, either A.J. Dillon or Zach Moss. But now he <laughs> he didn't think about my feelings and went with the Cardinals. It's super annoying how often... Uh, NFL players don't think of our fantasy needs, our dynasty needs, and our feelings. It really <laughs> so rude. is. Okay, yeah. give me your number one breakout candidate for 2021. Ooh, my number one. Well, I don't know if this is my number one, but I'm going to cheat here and package these <laughs> two together. So I'm going to go with two players that will be drafted in the top 10 of the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, and it's Devonta Smith from Alabama and Jamar Chase from LSU. I oh, love it. Now, I'm going to make a bold take here. And I think both will be top, I'm going to say 15 wide receivers because I'm a little too nervous to say top 12. Uh, my thing with these two is that I believe they're going to go to a team that desperately needs a wide receiver one. 
So they're going to go into the situation where they're immediately the target hog and they're used as that guy. There's so many teams in the top 10 that need that player. Now, my only hope is, and I take back this take completely, if the Jets take a wide receiver <laughs> instead of a quarterback. If if this player is playing with Sam Darnold, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, I'm out of this take. But anyone else uh, in the top 12, 15 picks. I am so in. When we're looking at what Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase did in college, it's exceptional. It's not just like, oh, this guy was good. He was amazing. They both were amazing. You know, the hardest conferences in college football are the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC. So I looked at those conferences all the way back to 2005. So every season from 2005 to 2020, there's only been five wide receivers that have had a 1,400 yard or more uh, receiving yard season and 15 plus receiving touchdowns. Those five players are Justin Jefferson, who had a pretty nice rookie season, Amari Cooper, who's pretty good in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins, who is just, you know, iffy in the NFL. (laughs) And then Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. Those are the only five. And I'd even make those metrics, like the minimums, even close to what Smith or Chase did. They both had 300 more receiving yards than that minimum and five plus more receiving touchdowns. They killed it. And I think both of them are going to be awesome wide receivers at the next level. And I don't think it's going to take them a long time to achieve that greatness. What uh, what are your ideal landing spots for these guys? Um, and maybe it's a separate question. What do you think are the most likely landing spots? Yeah, I, I want Jamar Chase to go to the Dolphins, I think. Uh, you know, Unrivaled Tua's kind of up one. in the air. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're trying to still figure out Tua, uh, but I do think that would be a nice connection between those two. I mean, Devonta Smith already said that he likes Mac Jones more than Tua, which doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm wondering if Miami would take that risk on Smith that early on in the draft at number three. I really like Smith maybe to Detroit uh, with Jared yeah. Goff. It's not the prettiest of situations, but it's a situation where he's the immediate target monster. Like who else on that team would get any targets? So I really like that connection. If either of these two could make it to... Uh, a team like San Fran, that would be a nice, uh, a nice spot as well. Yeah, I think um, Detroit. If we're just thinking in terms of uh, total targets, uh, especially if if Kenny Galladay is is no longer with Detroit, they could step right into a workload that looks a lot like Justin Jefferson's workload, um, and, and and maybe greater. Right? It could be it could yeah. be 130, 140 targets right off the bat. Who are they going to throw to outside of Swift and Hawkinson? And either Chase or Smith, I think that's a really good call. That's probably I should have let you go last um, because I feel like that's a little bit more fun of a take than <laughs> what what I'm going to have here. But I'm going to finish this off with um, my my top breakout for 2021, and this is probably somebody that I'm going to have ranked. I don't know at his position 12 to 15 overall when we when we finally get to it, and that is that is T Higgins. Uh, he was mm. great. Last year, I got I, like he was phenomenal last year, 67 catches, 900 plus yards, six touchdowns. Um, and, and he did that despite playing five whole games with uh, with Brandon Allen. Um, he, had, he had to deal with the Bengals feeding A.J. Green just relentlessly early in the season over those first like three or four weeks. 
Um, that Higgins was near the top of my wide receiver list when we entered the 2020 draft, as I, I think listeners and readers already know. He was just a highlight machine at Clemson. Um, great size. And in, in my in my view, he just plays and, and looks a ton like young A.J. Green, right? Like he's just an A.J. Green replicant to me. Um, so I think yep. that Higgins can be, will be, a 1,200 to 1,300 yard or better receiver once we get a healthy Joe Burrow. Um, I think he can be eight to 12 touchdowns. Like I think the best years of T. Higgins' career are going to look a lot like the best years of A.J. Green's. I 100% agree. And I had him on my list and I deleted him hoping that you would bring him up and I didn't <laughs> have to. I didn't have to waste that pick because I wanted to talk about everybody else. T. Higgins is my dude. Like, I'm so excited for him to succeed in this league. And I think he already did last year. He was balling out with Joe Burrow and then had to deal with some worse quarterback play. But everything he does on the field is so smooth. Nothing looks hard for him. His hands just, like, just pluck the ball out of the air. He looks like a tight end out there, but he doesn't move like a tight end. He's just a massive structure. I am very excited to see what he can do. I'm really hoping Joe Burrow can come back fully healthy just so we can see a full season of that Bengals offense really succeed. Even I'm a Steelers fan, but I still want to see it happen (laughs) uh, just for fantasy because I I love to see good offenses. So we'll see what can happen there. I'm really hoping they just go offensive line and they don't feel the need to go get Chase or something like that. Yeah, no, I hear you there. Um, I I thought this was the pick where we were most likely to overlap. Um, I thought there was at least a possibility that you would throw Higgins out there. Absolutely love him as a player. Can't believe still I'm like, I don't know, 10 years from now, I'm going to shake my head and and, in disbelief that he wasn't a a Packer. I can't believe they didn't take him. I just thought I thought he was a perfect player for that for that offense. Um, I'm happy as a Bears fan. I'm totally happy about it. Um, just just absolutely love him. Um, thank you for for joining us for this today. This was fun. This was a this was a good topic. Well executed. Um, it is it is a pleasure to talk to you again. You guys should be following Michelle. Uh, a wonderful, tw- an absolutely wonderful Twitter follow at ball blast em um do it do it right now do it before this podcast ends um and speaking of podcasts if for some reason you need even more of them uh we got them check out the yahoo sports college pod with wetzel with family with 40 uh where it is there's some big college sports stuff happening and that's getting interesting and give a listen to the posted up with chris haynes podcast that is that is earth's finest nba podcast right there it's great We will have another fantasy pod for you uh, later this week. I believe it's Loza and Del Don on deck. But until then, we are out. We are out.